Hello, Unruffled listeners. So we have produced a year's worth of content and have approximately 125,000 downloads to date. We can hardly believe it. We would like to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help us continue to put out quality, meaningful content, but we have a big ask. We are both mothers and creative soulmates. We are multi-passionate and have many projects going on at once and feel like this is the right time to ask for some support. We talk a lot on our show about valuing your creative work and it's time we walk our talk. This is where you come in. So we've set up a Patreon account and your generous Patreon donations will help us to pay for hosting fees, better equipment, and assist us in our dedication to keep showing up here every week. In the future, we hope to take our show on the road and offer creative workshops in select cities across the United States, maybe even interview a few of our guests in person. In order to make any of this happen, we foresee the need to generate some revenue from the show. We believe that our listeners want to support us, so we're hoping that you can help us make these dreams become a reality. Our ask isn't huge. We're some sensible girls, right? We're really just asking for a dollar pledge per episode. That's $4 a month, less than a large decaf vanilla latte from Starbucks. A total steal, if you ask me. We'd love to offer some perks in the future, but first we need to get this campaign off the ground. We can circle back and check with you all later in the year to see what, if any, perks sound good to you. And we're just so grateful for our listeners, and we hope that we continue to earn your support. You can find our campaign on patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thanks, guys. The recovery revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 57. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Hi, Tammy. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm rested and well, and it's beautiful here. How are you? am good. I had a beautiful weekend mm-hmm. camping under the stars, breathing in fresh air, getting some vitamin D. <laughs> I saw some of your pictures. That was so super, pretty. Super, super relaxing weekend. Everything that you want and just a very down, slow relaxing weekend but I have had the worst uh time with re-entry into regular life <laughs> how so share, share with me I don't know and unlike any other I don't know why like I had a have a I've had a almost like a physical reaction and it could be just from being I mean really being outside for three days and then just transitioning back into a building, my home, 
Yes. Really, my brain was just so foggy yesterday. I mean, that's that's what it felt like physically. And uh, how that manifested itself was that I just walked around my house and stared at unfinished projects, lists, things I emails. I couldn't do anything. It's like when you're in a groove, though, right? Like when you're like going, 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 getting stuff done, you're in the routine, you're going, you're, you're in it. But if you do a hard stop, right? But you have to. Yes. You have to. So, it's... yeah, it's natural what you're having. <laughs> but it, I know. It was so frustrating, though. I should have just surrendered to it and just mm. laid on the couch and read a, read a book all day. That's what I should have done because um, that would have been something, you know, I, it, um, and it would have just been honoring the fact, the honoring the transition. Mm-hmm. But no, you resisted but it, right? I resisted it. <laughs> I attempted at so many things. You know, I went out to the studio. I was only there for about 10 minutes. Nope. Came back in, tried to do some laundry because, you know, of course, we there was, brought home lots of things to wash, like sheets and towels and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, didn't really finish that. I mean, just, yeah, I just, I barely made it. Hmm. Well, you get to start again today. Look at you. You're already. But I did have an amazing meditation yesterday. So I will have to say that I did that and it was a really good meditation. Just one of those really good ones that I've had lately. Nice. Not every time, but a really good one. And, you know, and then, but then it did shift. So I, I guess I kind of did. I mean, I, I, I guess I did surrender in a sense that I got nothing done. So it's not like I made myself, oh, that's sorry, everyone. That was something, somebody revving their engine outside of my house. Um, uh, but I had a great meditation, I will say that. And I, I've been sort of kind of praying for a download from the universe and this morning i i got one Ooh, what you get well i don't know maybe i'll talk about it another time okay. but i feverishly i couldn't get my i couldn't get to my journal fast enough and so yeah so that happened too okay don't forget that i want to know yeah so <laughs> anyway that's that's my that's my magical few days last spoken <laughs> well i i have been meditating for it's been i'm just looking at my insight timer for 12 consecutive days good for you that I has missed some days or or i've missed some days on the insight timer because i didn't i mm-hmm. have had poor poor internet i can't yeah, other yeah. Days meditations even if i don't you know even if the insight timer isn't watching but yeah but yes good for you it's been huge you just changed my whole world with those theta theta meditations i do i do it's been fantastic but i have to say i'm dreaming really vividly and the ideas are coming in the dreams too yeah um not not necessarily i had to run and write it down in a journal but just like um i can hold on to an idea um and then to have it reappear too like the next day in the in the dream, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So okay, so I'm just yeah, I'm real, and now I'm really craving kind of going to bed at night. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go listen to that music. 
Like yeah. it's really a beautiful, uh, I'm, I don't know if craving's the right word. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to hear it. So but craving's a good word because when I don't, when I don't do it, yeah, I do sort of crave it. I do feel like something's missing in my day. Oh, thank you so much, Sandra, because I went back and listened to an episode of ours. And then I remember that, cause I, you know, we do these episodes, I write these things down, we type up the show notes, we do the whole thing. I listen to it really quickly at the, all the breaks to kind of get the show out the door. But then when I re-listened to it, I was like, why am I not taking Sandra's uh, three toolbox items recommendations? Why am I not doing some of the things that she's said? And so um, I think I just have so many things, you know, and it's like we're giving them to our listeners. But I was like, I needed that one. So right. thank well, you. And, that, and, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about having the toolbox thing at the end. Not everything is going to resonate with yeah. you. You know, maybe yoga is not your thing and you're not going to you're not going to do it. You're not ever going to do it. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And that's not going to be your thing. Um, all the many, many different tools that everyone that comes on the show offers, including us, you know, you're not going to resonate with all of them. But mm-hmm. some of them you might if you just give it a sh- at least one try. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was really um, it's really good. I um, went away this weekend uh, with some three girlfriends that I met at a retreat several years ago. And we, as we were driving to the little house in Bodega Bay or big house in Bodega Bay, um, that we went in on and we were just like, we're going to relax so hard this weekend. (laughs) We are just relaxing really hard. That's what we're doing this weekend. Mm -hmm. And we did, we cooked and we, uh, our only requirement for kind of our retreats together is that we as soon as we hit the door of the place and like step one foot in wherever we're at the bras come off like no bras is the rule (laughs) so no bras we made art we cooked and um went to the beach was our big outing and just didn't walk very far just sat down and collected sand dollars and just sat there for a few hours it was just great Mm. and um made a lot of art i worked on my bodega bay um portion of for my art show some studies and um I didn't really make any art this weekend that I loved which was fine I just liked making it which felt mm-hmm. really good like there was no end result because it was kind of abstract and I was I'm calling them studies so you know they are studies they're not fully formed and that felt very freeing to do it and my disappointment I wasn't disappointed my kind of like oh I don't really like any of this stuff I don't love any of it so, um, and I was okay with that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, oh, that's just what it is. I'm sorry. You guys might hear the barking. There's like a UPS guy coming up. Then my dog's going insane. Um, which the book that's getting delivered is our podcast guest from last week. Janelle from oh, Renegade Janelle. Mothering. Oh, yes. Yay, Her book is getting that. delivered to my doorstep right now. I, I got a little oh, notification. So that's timely. <laughs> Very tiny. And I read the advanced copy she gave us online, but I wanted the hard copy book. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to her book signing in a few weeks. Um, but what I wanted to say is I went to school yesterday after that cre- after the kind of weekend of relaxing so hard. And it felt so good to get in the studio again. I was like ready. I'd made that work, good. the Bodega Bay work. I made work just to make work. And with no kind of preconceived notion or idea about what it would look like. That felt really good. Then I went in the studio, and it's like, I have three weeks here, Sandra, to finish, um, 
you know, all 15 paintings. So, um, I finished a huge one yesterday and so now five are done and I just feel it in the flow. I feel ready to kind of resolve the next 10, you know, I feel Good. ready. So you had a very smooth re-entry. It sounds I like. did. <laughs> Cause I relax so hard. No, you probably relax so hard too, but I, I so hard. Although actually one day I hiked for four hours because I got lost. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that wasn't super relaxing. Although it was really, it was really lovely. Cause I had my phone with me and I took pictures of flowers the whole time and that probably slowed me down a bit, but, um, but yeah, but the, I kind of got lost and people were worried about me and <laughs> It's kind of a kind of a deal, and I was running out of water. <laughs> so I guess that wasn't that part wasn't totally relaxing, but oh, Sandra, but I, I relaxed hard too. I honestly think it had something to do with my body just, you know, adapting, readapting to a different environment. I mean, yeah. that might just sound completely woo, but I really think that that's what it was. Well, speaking of woo, um, the ladies that I was with this weekend informed me that it was a pink moon on last Sunday night, uh-huh. which yeah. I didn't know about. I didn't come prepared with all my crystals and things, um, but we talked about it. Or a rose moon. I can't remember. I don't know the reference of it's rose mm-hmm. or pink, but um, it was beautiful. I saw it. It was a beautiful, mm-hmm. a beautiful yeah, full moon. Moon night, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was easy because um, I, I vacationed like seven miles away from my house. So <laughs> I didn't have far to go. I just had to come home and drop off groceries and unpack and go to school. And I think it kind of still felt like I was gone from my home since I hadn't seen or talked to my family since Friday morning. And I came home last night, Monday night. So uh, it was a good long time away from them, which I think we needed. And everybody was happy to see me. So it was good. Oh, good. My children would have called me 500 times if I was only seven miles away. Really? That would not have been relaxing for me. Oh, no. That would not be. No. I didn't get any of those. (laughs) Well, um, I know that you're going to be promoting um, your workshop in this um, podcast, but do you want to say the date and time kind of up front in case somebody doesn't get all the way through? Yeah, if you don't get all the way through, I'm going to say it once quickly. You can go to my site, theunruffle.com, click on the top bar, and it'll take you straight to the event. But it's called The Women's Circle, and it is a workshop. It is a yoga, uh, creative, and mala-making workshop that's going to be in Garfield, Texas, which is just right outside of Austin, on Saturday, June 2nd, from 9 to 2 and it's $80. Um, we're going to provide some snacks. And we are suggesting that if you are hungrier for something more, bring a light lunch. We'll have some drinks. And it's a beautiful setting. Um, we just want to, and there's lots of room. So don't worry. It's, I doubt it's going to sell out. Um, we just want, we want to see some friends. We already have some people signed up. We're so excited. So come see us. Fly yeah. in, even. Okay, I will. All right. I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll even come early and try to take you away from your family more. More. Okay. We want Sandra for all the days before her birthday. Yes. <laughs> yep, because that was my birthday week. Right? Oh, we're going to have some fun. 
Yeah. We are going to have some fun. I can't wait. Well, along those lines, um, I have something to introduce as well. Um, okay. On June 16th, um, from 10 to 3 p.m., we're doing a women's circle here in Santa Rosa. Do, um, same kind of concept and idea as what you guys are doing in Austin. And it will be myself, um, Natalie Fairbrook will do the yoga and meditation. And Sasha Corrales is going to do um, mala making like she's doing at your workshop. And I'm going to be leading a little section on a gratitude practice with a little art project. So that is happening. It's $80 at Soul Yoga in Santa Rosa. So that is uh, that information is on my website as well. And um, we're just excited about all this women gathering, you know, and the circle and the the um, activities that are going along with it, too. I love it. So exciting. Yeah. So exciting. Lady Empire Building. That's what Sasha's yeah, been calling that. it. Yep. All right. So we should talk about this awesome lady yes. that we're interviewing today. So, right. Speaking of the workshop, yeah. um, today we have on the podcast Sarah Andrews, who is co-hosting the workshop with uh, me and Sasha in June. Um, Sarah lives here in Austin. She's a mom to two young girls, a wife, a yoga teacher, a creative business leader, a social impact marketer, and philanthropic advisor, a writer, a photographer, a graphic designer, who has proudly reclaimed her Texan heritage after years of living overseas and throughout the U.S. over the course of her career. Sarah has worked as an award-winning newspaper journalist in Boston, where she specialized in coverage of human rights issues. She's also served as the executive director for international and domestic philanthropic organizations working on issues such as women's empowerment and girls' education in Nepal and Kenya, sustainable building techniques and environmental conservation, as well as marketing director for organizations working on issues of food security and education. Wow. She's like amazing. <laughs> so well-rounded. Um, she, so yeah, like Sandra said, she lives in Austin and she currently runs a consultancy that provides strategic communications and leadership development services for social impact organizations. And it's also, she lives there and it's where she, her, she is um, an active yoga and meditation teacher. She's a lifelong learner. She's passionate about mamahood, storytelling, travel, and exploring the human condition. And you can find her on Instagram at ATX Sarah. That's with an H, Sarah with an H. And her website is uh, sapanastudios.com. That's S A P A N A studios.com. And I loved our conversation. Um, I did too. I, there was more, there's so much more we could have talked to her about. Um, but we did focus on her journey from recovery, her yoga teacher training, and just kind of her um, path that she's been on the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, you're going to love um, hearing this conversation with Sarah. Yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, guys. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sandra. Where, where are you in, on the planet today? I'm in Austin, Texas. Where are you? You're in Austin? <laughs> wait, I want to be in Austin. <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm going to be in Austin. Today. <laughs> I, you are going to be in Austin today. It's sort of a soupy, we're having a soupy day today. This is what I would refer to as a soupy day. It's kind oh, yeah. of humid and it's sort of dark outside. 
and it made me want to light up some nog champa. <laughs> I, I, I actually have some going right now. Wait, <laughs> mine just went out. What is that? Uh, What's nog champa? Uh, yeah, what is that? Gracious, what kind? You aren't a hippie, are you? No, what is that? Um, it is like an Indian incense that is the smell of my whole college uh, career. <laughs> <laughs> Something that we burned very often in college. And then I didn't have any Nog Champa for a really long time. Like, I probably wouldn't burn it around babies. I don't know. You know, it gets, the scent gets kind of thick. Some people are kind of sensitive to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. But then I rediscovered it, or not rediscovered it. I just stumbled upon some a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, Nog Champa. It immediately zapped me. You know how smells can zap you back, back. Time and it immediately zapped, zapped me back to college, and so now I've I've just been buying it ever since. And you, yeah, I was kind of um, like a late adopter of it, I guess. I wasn't I wasn't much of a hippie in college, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like kind of more in my thirties, I started to like reclaim this hippie side of myself, and now <laughs> I, just, I just love it. I love the way it smells. Yeah, totally relaxes me. And you burn it in your house, Sandra. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have like yeah. a very sensory sensitive household. We have nothing, no sense in our house or anything. I, I wanted to get an oil diffuser and that was like too much because you can't even handle it when I have my um, oils on. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I have any Nog Champa, but I, but maybe in my studio. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, I learned something new already. Look at it. It to be a day that you could open the doors though, because oh. I mean, it's a strong it's, uh, yeah it's a little strong but okay. it's good yeah yeah like I usually I light it before my yoga classes um but I'll usually do it maybe an hour beforehand so it has time to burn all the way through and diffuse a little bit because I think it can be really strong when it's burning it's just, while it's burning you're right yeah. is it like Palo Santo then is it kind of like that or stronger mm-hmm. it, uh it has a really distinct smell and it comes in a really its own distinct box it's like blue and white packaging hmm. it's never it's not changed and you know at least 30 years probably longer the the, the box that it okay. comes in i'm probably gonna see it everywhere now okay thank you yeah <laughs> thanks for the lesson <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, you guys are both in Austin. I'm over here in California, and I, I'm a little jealous that you guys live so close to each other. I know. I think I think we're just like 15 minutes away from each other. Pretty much, yeah. And did yeah. you guys meet through um, Sober Connections, channels, groups, book? I mean, how did, how did you guys meet? Sarah, I was thinking the other day, we met through my, my silly little meetup thing, right? Well, kind or, of. Or no. We did. So, um, Sarah and I did. So I think the genesis of this all came from from the Laura McCowan workshop that she ho- she hosted a workshop yes. in Austin back in, I think it was November of 2016. And I went there. You guys were both there too, but we didn't meet at the workshop. But I um, ended up actually being next to our mutual friend, Natalie. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah. And so we kind of got to talking before the workshop started and she pointed you guys out. She was like, you know, you need to follow me on Instagram and, um, and then you need to follow me on Instagram. (laughs) I love that. that, She's a connector. She's a connector. 
Um, and that was kind of, yeah, she was like, follow me. And then you can, you know, you'll see all, the, all these women. Um, and so I started following you um, then. And I think I reached out to you maybe a month later, just on email. And that's how that's we got right. connected. And then I ended up going to one of your meetups, I, th I think a couple months after that. That's yeah, funny. that's when I met you yeah, again. You there. There. That's where you, uh, you were at that meetup as well. Yeah, I love it. Well, Natalie, we were teasing and chatting and she's like, uh, she's like, um, you know, I'm like this imaginary um, person you talk about kind of on your show. <laughs> I'm like, you're like the invisible co-host, basically, Natalie. You are like the invisible co-host and you'll have to come on one day so everybody will know who Natalie is. <laughs> and I think she's going to. Um, but okay, yeah, so that was, the, but when I met you there, that was such a sweet meetup that we did. Like, Sandra, you were doing those and they were so, it was so awesome. Met a lot of nice ladies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pining for them again, but we're going to have our workshop soon and that's going to be that's going to be magical. Yeah. So, anyway. Do you guys want to talk about that at the end of the show or the top of the let's show? Talk about the end. And okay, we'll wait and we'll get there. Well, let's yeah. let's learn a little bit more about Sarah so our listeners can uh can uh get to know so you, Sarah. Inside. <laughs> Well, we usually, yeah, we usually start at the top of the show, just kind of asking our guests to, you know, kind of tell us how, you know, you came to sobriety um, and removing alcohol from your life. And I know I know your story a little bit from the interview um, that you did for my Ray of Light series on my website, but I know um, our listeners would be interested to know how you kind of came to that choice. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. Um, yeah, so... You know, and I know I've mentioned it to both of you, um, but I, so I stopped drinking on November 28th of 2016. Um, and at that time, uh, I was kind of in a phase of, a, of my life where I had just had a baby a few months prior. And so I hadn't really um, been drinking at all uh, for about, you know, about a year at that point. Um, and so my path to sobriety, it, it really didn't come out of any, you know, kind of catastrophic event or any, you know, sort of bad experience or something that happened. Um, and often when I think about it, like when I think about the moment that I decided to, to give sobriety a try, cause that's sort of how I framed it to myself early on. Um, I often think of that Cheryl Strayed quote that you might've heard where she says, acceptance is a small, quiet room. Um, because, you know, uh, obviously there had, I had had prior experiences that sort of led me to that point, but at, at the day that I, you know, really started this journey in earnest, um, it was just, I, you know, I was literally sitting in my room. <laughs> I think my baby was taking a nap next to me and I just kind of felt like, you know, this is something that I need to do. Um, but just to give you guys like a little context and a little bit more history in my trajectory, um, you know, I, I was born in Texas and I was raised in a pretty conservative religious family. We were a really tight knit family, um, very close, but, you know, because of my family's faith background, you know, alcohol just was not a thing that was consumed in, in my house or in any of my relatives homes. Like it just, it was not something that people in my family did. So, you know, I didn't grow up with addiction around me. I didn't really grow up, you know, having any sort of like basis for this issue, um, in my life. And 
you know, I had a pretty happy childhood. I, um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I had a really loving family and a, a close knit family. Um, but I guess the one thing, you know, from my childhood and my adolescence that I think kind of trickled over into my adult life, um, is that I, I am adopted and I was adopted as an infant. So I don't really know anything about my biological family and, and my parents don't either. My, you know, my parents were always very open with me about, about my adoption and it was never treated as this like negative or weird thing. Um, but I just, I think it is common when, you know, when you are adopted, like you feel a little bit different than the people in your family. And so, you know, I always just grew up with a little bit of a sense of that, that, you know, I, I was different, but I was never treated differently. And so, you know, it, it was kind of more of a, a subtle effect on me. It was um, just like something there in the background always just yeah, like, like something running, like a tape running in the background, maybe. That's yeah, interesting. I so. And I, you know, I kind of feel like it was more running in my background than anyone else's. Sure. Your you know, background. I just, I, nobody in my family brought it up ever. It just, you know, it just like wasn't a thing. And I think because my parents were always so open about it, um, you know, there it, it, it was like a healthy spirit around it. It wasn't, um, it was a positive thing and it, and it was a positive thing, but of course, you know, w- from my vantage point, it's like, you always have questions and mm-hmm. you know, everyone yeah. else looks the same and, and you don't. And, you know, there's just, you know, little things like that. And so I think it was just this sort of like sense of, of being, you know, maybe out of place sometimes, mm-hmm. um, that I had in, in childhood. And then in my adolescence, um, I moved around a lot and I think I, I think I changed schools maybe five times between the fifth grade and the 10th grade. And so, you know, it was just kind of more of that, like, you know, being in a new place um, and kind of always feeling this like sense of, of not belonging or, you know, being out of place. Um, but, you know, I didn't really start drinking or try really try alcohol in, you know, I think I tried it in high school, but I didn't like it. It made me sick and and it wasn't really my thing. Um, but then when I got to college, it was just kind of like the thing that everyone was doing, right? Like you, um, go to parties on the weekend, there's beer there. And, um, and so I, I really kind of started drinking more then from a social perspective. Um, and everything that I was doing seemed, you know, pretty normal. And, and it just went on like that through my twenties where it was, like drinking was more of a social thing, uh, something that I would do on the weekends with my friends, you know, during the week I would study or go to work. Uh, like I did pretty well in school and, um, I went to graduate school pretty shortly after my undergrad and I, you know, I became, um, a journalist in my twenties. And so I was working and pursuing my career and kind of, I felt like I was just doing the things that I was supposed to be doing and I didn't really sense that, you know, anything was amiss. Um, but I think in my thirties, that's really kind of when my relationship with alcohol maybe took on a different quality and it stopped being, you know, strictly this social thing that I was doing on weekends or after work. Um, and it became a little bit more, uh, internal, like, and it was something that I would do, um, you know, 
at home after work because you know in your 30s people start getting married and your social life it kind of slows down a little bit and um and so yeah i mean i was i was alcohol was still in my life but i wasn't like going out and being as social as i used to be um and in my 30s i would say there were really kind of two distinct periods where i was drinking a little bit more than normal, you know, than what I would have considered normal. Um, and in both of those periods, they were both sort of triggered by, you know, external events that happened, like um, something that was, you know, kind of heartbreaking to me and, um, and sort of, you know, made me really think about my place in the world and where I was going and, and what I was doing with my life. And so in my early 30s, um, there was a period of about eight or nine months when I went through some things in my personal life and I just, I started drinking more just kind of to deal with anxiety that was coming up from that time. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was like grief related or anxiety related. It's usually one of the two, right? Or sadness or... Yeah, for me, it was it was anxiety, I think, would be the most dominant emotion that, I, you know, I, I can think of. I, I just, um, you know, and it kind of like when I think about how to describe it, it, I think everybody goes through it. It's sort of like, you know, a Dharma crisis or just like right. an existential crisis where you, you know, for whatever reason, all of these things kind of come together at once and it feels like the floor gets ripped out from underneath you. Um, and you know, so that happened in my early thirties and I was drinking, um, more to just kind of, you know, it was, it became less of a fun thing and more of like, I need this because I'm, I feel anxious. And, um, and that went on for about eight or nine months. And during that time, I think, you know, I, I could sense that it was, it wasn't heading anywhere good, even though like nothing was really happening. Um, as a result of my drinking externally, you know, like I didn't get into any trouble or anything like that, but it was just more that emotionally it was just kind of taking me down. And, um, I recognized it and I, I kind of pulled away from it and I didn't stop drinking entirely, but you know, it, it left an impression on me. I think it was just one of those things where I felt like, okay, I, I don't know that I have a problem, but I think that if I were to continue <laughs> on that trajectory, I could have a problem. And, um, and so, so you felt like, so do you pull, you kind of pulled back a, uh, in those instances when you had some awareness around it? Yeah. Yeah. So the first time that it happened, I, um, I, I stopped drinking for a little while, but again, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was like, okay, you know, I can never drink again. You know, I kind of felt like I just went through a rough time and this, you know, and yes, I started drinking a little bit more to cope with that rough time, but you know, I feel better now. Like I'm, I'm getting things back on track. Like I, it didn't seem so bad to me to where I, I was confronting the idea of never drinking again. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of like, all right, I need to take a step back and sort of get myself together, you know, and then I did start drinking again. Um, not like in a, 
you know, kind of more in what I would call like a quote unquote normal way, like the way that I see, you know, other people drink. Um, and that, you know, and so, so it kind of like recovered a little bit and felt okay for the next few years. And then, um, went through kind of another similar period period where I just, you know, once again, like the ground was ripped out from underneath me and, um, had a ton of anxiety and stress and was just trying to find a way to mitigate these feelings that were really kind of dominating my life. And, um, you know, at that point I had had my first daughter and, um, and it was just, you know, it just like, wasn't sustainable. Like I was, I was experiencing all of these feelings that I didn't, um, really have a lot of support around in terms of how to deal with them. And, and so the alcohol was just a way for me to kind of to cope with that anxiety. Um, and thankfully this, you know, when it happened again, um, it was a little shorter lived. And I, I credit that to the fact that I did have a child in my home to where, um, I was able to recognize sooner that, you know, this was going nowhere fast. Um, and so I had, so I stopped drinking for a period of time and, and then my husband and I were, uh, planning to have a second baby and I ended up getting pregnant. And, um, and so then that, you know, obviously stopped me and, um, I didn't drink at all, you know, obviously during my pregnancy, uh, or really much after I, I had my second daughter. Um, but then, you know, I had my second daughter in the summer of 2016 and I had had a little bit of distance from that period of time. And again, I think it was just, you know, and this may be something that we talk a little bit about later, but I think that I was really hung up on trying to figure out like what exactly was wrong with me, you know? (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. think that I maybe spent a little bit too much time on that issue um, because I, you know, I didn't feel like I I identified with any of the labels or sort of like definitions of, you know, that were available to me around, you know, alcoholism or people who struggle with substance abuse, like a lot of the language that I, I had available to me just didn't resonate with me and it didn't apply to me. Um, and I would also say that I didn't, you know, because I didn't really grow up with this being an issue in my family, I didn't really know a lot of people who had gone through this or were going through it. And so it was really, I really was in a bit of an isolation box with it because I, I didn't have a lot of context and what I did have didn't feel like it, it applied to me personally. And so, um, you know, after my second daughter was born, it's kind of like, okay, you know, am I okay? Am I not okay? And I did at that time start, you know, having like a glass of wine in the evenings and it, it honestly never escalated, you know, past that. Um, but I would say that around that period of time, um, I happened to sort of stumble across, uh, I I I follow Glennon Doyle on social media Mm -hmm. and, um, she had posted something one day about, I think it was about Holly and Laura, um, from the home podcast. And it just kind of caught my attention, um, because it was related to drinking and, and women drinking. And I, I started to like go down this internet rabbit hole and, you know, found the home podcast, which is a podcast, uh, that two women in our community used to 
to run. And um, I started listening to it and it was just kind of like, I, I remember that day because I was just like, it was like my mind was blown wide open because I hadn't ever heard people talking about alcohol um, in the way that they were talking about it. And the experiences that they were sharing um, seemed really similar to the experiences that I went through. And, um, and it really just, I don't know, you know, it just kind of was one of those moments where I, you know, was kind of stopped in my tracks and I had to really, you know, recognize that, okay, like I, I get what these women are saying. And, um, and, and that just sort of set me off on this journey of, of really reflecting on the way that I had, you know, the, the relationship that I had developed with alcohol over time and, and really kind of recognizing that, you know, my story started, started off pretty much the same as everyone else's where it was just this fun thing that I did on the weekends or in social situations. Um, but it grew to be a little bit different for me, a little bit more for me, um, as I got older and, um, and so I think the, the more that I became involved in listening to these conversations and, um, and engaging with some of the, you know, sober and recovery communities online, the more I, you know, I just kind of knew, you know, that this was, this was my, my thing. Um, it almost like it gave you permission to consider yeah, maybe I could just be so, maybe I could just not drink. Maybe I could just choose sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. It gave me, it gave me a framework that, that felt, um, relevant to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, because I, I think it was the way that I would, you know, during those times when I was maybe drinking more than, than normal, it's like, the way that I was, the way that I conducted myself during those times, it was kind of more of like an internal thing for me where it was really affecting, you know, my emotions. And as a result of that, it was affecting, you know, the way that I carried myself in the world, but I wasn't really experiencing these very stark consequences, right. Um, that I think, you know, we're kind of sort of primed to think, you know, everyone must experience these harsh consequences um, if they have a problem with drinking. And so I think I just felt a level of confusion around like what was wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it's this, like it's not over here, but it's not over here. And I think starting to hear people talk about that kind of middle ground um was just really eye opening to me. And yeah, and it gave me permission to really reconsider, you know, what I was going through and Mm -hmm. and to identify it in a way that felt like, you know, I can do something about this that feels like it would be helpful to me, you know, like, because I think back then I just, you know, it, it didn't feel helpful to me to, um, to like use a lot of the labels, a lot of the, the language that was available to me. Um, so yeah, that middle, well, that, and then, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead, Tammy. I'll just say that, that middle, that middle area. I know some of our guests have called it gray area drinking. And I know that I don't identify with gray area drinking for me at this stage of my life. And when I quit drinking, but had I, had I thought about it a decade prior, 
you know, I'm 47. So when I quit drinking, I was 44. Had I thought about that when I was 34 or 27 or, you know, like I just, um, earlier, that would be what it sounds like what you're thinking. Like, cause I definitely had feelings, right. Where you're going, something's not quite right with my drinking, but I don't know what it is. And I'm definitely not, I'm not this other end of the spectrum. And so I think like what we talk about on the show, like that your bottom can be a feeling. And I think that's what you're saying. Like you were listening to your intuition, trying to really go, what is it saying? What does it mean? What is it? And it's a, it's a, it's a time to really turn things over in your mind. I think, I think that's before you get to, to the end result of like, I'm going to stop drinking. There's a lot of time for inquiry work, right. And to just really think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's a, a Sarah Heppola quote that I was thinking about. I can't, I don't know the quote, um, exactly because I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I was thinking about it as you were telling your story, Sarah. So I'll paraphrase it. She said something like there was a time in her life, if she had had a little more awareness around it, that may, perhaps she could have walked it back a little bit mm-hmm. um, and, and stayed there if she just, you know, kept the awareness around it or stayed hyper vigilant or whatever, you know, if if, moderation does work for some people. And, um, but it, it, she didn't, she didn't have the awareness around it. And so it did become a full blown addiction where, you know, quitting, she had no other choice, quit or, you know, possibly, die of alcoholism and um so yeah i mean it's 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 progressive we know that we know that and i agree with tammy you know mine was definitely not gray area in the end either but there was a time that it could have been considered i mean i was i was probably a binger but um you know uh there was definitely a time i probably could have walked it back had i had more awareness around it um, and yeah, then what you're talking, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on the, you know, on the walking back piece, I think because, because, you know, in the end, like I had the awareness around it. Um, but I also knew that I, I couldn't, I didn't want to walk it back again. You know, like right. I didn't want to try to keep it in my life because I knew that that had happened before, you know, and then it was fine for a time and then it kind of wasn't fine, you know? And so it was like, you know, yes, there's a spectrum. And yes, I do consider that I was somewhere like in the middle of that spectrum and it kind of ebbed and flowed for me. But, um, but I also, it was like an awareness that if, if I keep this around, then I could end up back in that place and, and I don't want to, you know, and that's not what I want for my life. So, you know, I do feel really grateful, um, that, I was able to do that. And I, you know, I really think it's, it's, I'm kind of a product of a lot of these conversations that are now being had online. Um, well, and then as far as using alcohol for anxiety, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I always thought, what else do you do for anxiety? (laughs) (laughs) Of course you drink wine to to quell anxiety. Duh. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I never questioned that ever, and nor did I ever know that it just fueled more anxiety. You know, it just produced more anxiety. Like I never put those pieces together for whatever reason. I mean, it was obvious. Maybe I just didn't want to look at it that way. But 
you, you know, I'm sure yeah. I know that in your ray of light, you mentioned Annie Grace's book and I, this feels so silly because I have not read her book yet, but I've so many people have and have talked about it. I'm sure she probably talks about that, right? How it just amps your anxiety, works for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when I, when I was going through those periods of anxiety, I, I remember like I told, I think I, I told some people, you know, like I'm really struggling with anxiety and, and most people recommended, you know, that I go to see a doctor um, mm-hmm. which I did try at one point and, you know, of course they wanted to put me on medication. And I remember just being like, well, no, you know, I'm not going to take drugs, <laughs> but then you just drink wine. Right, like, That's not a drug. I would be, okay, but <laughs> a glass of wine is, is totally acceptable, but I'm not going to, you know, take a drug to right. deal with I it. Know. Oh, it's, um, it's there was like this total differentiation in my mind. Um, and then I, yeah, and you're right. And it's like, we don't realize that you know, the thing that we are using to alleviate our anxiety is just fueling it more and more. I was certainly completely unaware of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think too, there was a, a, there's a woman, um, and I can't remember her name, but she has a podcast about anxiety and I heard an interview with her. I think she was on the home podcast, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I remember she said something that like also kind of blew me away. She was saying, you know, when we're when we're using alcohol to alleviate our anxiety, you know, it's fueling more anxiety. And yes, you know, there's the anxiety that also comes out of like, when we, you know, do something that we regret, you know, when we're drinking or whatnot. But she said, there's also the anxiety that just comes out of like the inner knowing that we are living out of integrity with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that was a big one for me. Um, because, you know, you kind of like have this feeling that's just with you all the time of like, ugh, but you can't quite put your finger on what it is because, you know, I don't know, maybe you just like drank wine in front of your TV and went to bed, but it's like, it's like your inner self knows that you're, you're living out of integrity. Mm -hmm. You could do better. You could do better. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, it's a, you know, a more subtle anxiety, I guess, but I think just as powerful. Yeah. Well, I couldn't even tap into my anxiety, Sarah, until I quit drinking. And I think, and, and I'm going to, this is twofold what I want to say. I think the home co- podcast was um, pivotal in my recovery as well. In the beginning of listening to those and finding other recovery podcasts, like Sense Right Now, that's how I found Sandra. And I kind of, every week it was like church, right? You know, you just listened. And even though, you know, what I liked about that was that Holly had her story and Laura had hers. Laura was more um, 12-step based in the beginning. And um, Holly was more holistic and her own thing. And I liked that there was two women talking about it that had different points of views and um, that were saying some pretty, I mean, they had some really big rock bottom. So it's not that I definitely um, had those experiences, but it was like really intoxicating for me <laughs> to listen to them and ha- have them be so honest. But from listening to those podcasts, in kind of finding other people that were in recovery and this online component and social media of finding your tribe. Um, it was only then that I realized that I had anxiety my whole life. 
um, that I was kind of always trying to cope and have something to help, you know, alleviate it. And um, also with not living in, te- in integrity, I'm sure that was part of my nagging um, anxiety as well. Um, but I'm curious, like, so when you got sober, how did you, how did you find ways to, um, you know, cope with your anxiety? You removed yeah. the alcohol, so I know that that probably helped, but was there other things that helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my story, it's really kind of a yoga journey. <laughs> um, you know, when I, when I stopped drinking, well, first when I, when I stopped drinking, I, I kind of framed it as like a, a 30 day trial period. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped on November 28th and I wasn't kind of, I wasn't really thinking in terms of forever at that point, but it didn't take me too long to get there. Um, and at that point I was already, I had already reignited. So I started practicing yoga in 2003. So I had been practicing for quite some time. Um, but I, it sort of fell out of my practice once I became a mom. Um, and after my second daughter was born, I, I started going to class again and it was just kind of like my way to get out of the house and, um, and let off some steam. Um, but when I decided to stop drinking and I kind of didn't have like that glass of wine at the end of the day to buffer like the transition into the evening, um, it became a little, you know, like a little more important to me that I, I get to yoga class because that was really, you know, for me, um, that was my community and that was where I was able to, to kind of work through those energies that I was experiencing and, and really, you know, let them go. Um, and so I, so that was really what I did. I just sort of threw myself into yoga, um, or at least, you know, trying to go as much as I can. Um, and, and also, um, you know, started a meditation practice, which really helped, although that came a little bit later, but yeah, so yoga at first, as well as, is support from some of the online communities. That's how I got started. Well, uh, about meditation. Well, let me back up in 2016, when you quit drinking, mm-hmm. you, um, I know that you picked a word for the year. Um, that helped kind of guide you. And I'm a big word for the year person. I, Sandra is too, like to kind of have that sense, you know, kind of ground you for the year. Um, how did that, how did that, did that help inform you? Like, well, first of all, what was your word? So my word for 2017 was commitment. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it did inform me because I, you know, like I said, I kind of framed it as this 30 day thing in the beginning. And once I got to the end of the 30 days, I, I knew that I wanted to continue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I think because of how I, how I came into it, you know, I wasn't in this place where I was like experiencing, you know, these cravings all the time or whatnot, but it was just more, it, it was like, I had to reorient myself to the world. And I knew that that was going to take some time. And, um, And I, but I, I wanted to commit to it, you know? And so my word for 2017 was commitment. Um, and so it was really committing to a life of not drinking, um, and committing to a life of presence because for me, you know, one of my big motivators was being present for my family, for my daughters. Um, and I used yoga really as, as my vehicle to, to cultivate that in my life. Um, and, and I would also say just like kind of on that subject, I think it was, 
in the earlier days, um, I, I started to just create a framework for myself, you know, like how, how I view this in my life and, and what my ultimate motivation is. And I remember coming across a quote um, that really stuck with me, which um, was from Nikola Tesla. And it said something like, if you, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy and frequency um, and vibration. And I heard that quote and it really, you know, it kind of jumped out at me. And then I think maybe just a couple days later, I had heard Holly Whitaker talking about, you know, I think she said something like, when we're drinking, we are, we're emitting a very low vibe energy. And it just kind of got me like thinking a little bit more about, you know, the energetics behind everything and how, um, you know, that was really like such a big issue in my life where where I had spent so much time kind of feeling bad um, and feeling like I had a very low energy. And you really do, right? When you mm-hmm. when you're drinking and then the next day you just feel so low vibed energy. <laughs> yeah, you feel so low vibe energy. And it was like, you know, even if I was doing everything you know, perfectly and I had all the knowledge and I was you know, taking care of my, the things in my life, like I still had this low vibe energy that I was just dragging around with me. And, Mm -hmm. and that was, that was affecting everything that I was doing. And I just didn't even realize it. Um, and so for me, like the framework that I started to create was just, you know, trying to make it less personal, right? Like if it gets to be five o'clock in the evening and I'm, you know, feeling like, I want to have a glass of wine, you know, just to kind of step back and say, okay, that's an energy, you know, that I'm, I'm trying to transform by using wine, you know, how else can I transform that energy? And so that's where the yoga really started to get deeper for me because, um, it, it's a, you know, the physical practice of yoga really allowed me to, to transform those energies, to move those stuck energies through me so that I was lighter and more open Um, and then, you know, the meditative practice of yoga allowed me to really kind of, to sit with those energies more and get more curious about them instead of just trying to, you know, numb them out or, or put Mm -hmm. them to the side. Um, what made you decide to go, uh, I'm sorry, Tammy, um, what made you decide to go deeper into the training and actually get your teacher training, your Yoda sort of yoga certification is that do you call it like teacher certification teacher training what is yeah that? yeah it's um yeah so I did a 200 hour teacher training yoga teacher training um and you know I so I always kind of wanted to do one of those and like I said I, I started practicing yoga in 2003 and um I actually found an old journal of mine from I think 2005 or 2006. And in this journal, I had made, I had made a bucket list of different things that I I wanted to do, um, in my lifetime. And I found it, I think a couple of months after I'd stopped drinking. And it was really interesting because a few of the things on that list, like I, I had ended up, I did them. Um, but (laughs) I had forgotten that I had written them down on this list. But one of the things on the list was, become a yoga teacher. And, um, and I kind of like thought about it cause it was something that just hadn't been on my mind in years. Um, and right now I'm, I'm working as a marketing consultant, so I have a pretty flexible schedule and I had this period 
in last summer where I had um, one of my projects was phasing out and then I didn't have another one coming online until like later that summer. So I had this sort of month of flex time um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. And in the meantime, I had stumbled across an advertisement for a teacher training at one of the studios here in Austin, um, actually the one where we all met at yoga, uh, Laura McCowan's workshop. It's called Suka Yoga. And um, it was an intensive training. So it was four weeks full time. And um, I just, I don't know, I just thought, well, hey, maybe I can do that. And at first it seemed really, you know, at first I, I kind of, I think did you feel like you were self being selfish and yeah, you've got two little sure. kids and I have two you little have kids. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I just kind of felt like, you know, no, I can't really do that. I just, I kept trying to talk myself out of it. Um, but it was just, I, it was just funny because there were so many little barriers that would pop up. Like at first they had these, they were advertising these dates that didn't work for me. And I emailed them and I said, you know, what else do you have going on this year? And they wrote back and said, oh, actually, we're changing the dates. And then there was like another thing that came up and then that, you know, sort of resolved itself. So it just kind of it just kind of worked out that I was able to do it. And, you know, when I went into it, I really didn't have the intention of becoming a teacher. I think it was just something I, I really wanted to do for myself and, and to kind of deeper deepen these the study of yoga because I had had gotten really into it at that point. Um, and. And when I graduated and finished, you know, I still wasn't really sure that I would would teach or not teach. Um, but pretty soon after that, an opportunity to teach opened up um, at a studio outside of Austin, um, and I took it. And so, yeah. And so I've just I've been teaching ever since. I teach down there, and um, it's a studio in a town called Lockhart. It's just right outside of Austin. And then I also recently opened up a studio space in my home. So I've been teaching here as well. I, I love that, how that just all kind of evolved for you, right? And then now you have this, that, that's what I think, um, Sandra and I have been chatting lately about talking with women who are just like, you're creating this new life, right? When you remove alcohol from it, you're kind of creating this new um way to exist and to be and you're creating a life that you no longer want to escape from mm-hmm. and that's what's so beautiful about all the women that we're meeting in recovery and and through our you know social media forums like it's it's fantastic to just see like and especially to know you since we've known you right we met you like right at the beginning of your mm-hmm. journey yeah. and um you know i ran into you at she recovers in new york and you came back to my room where we had a lot of fun talk and giggles with a bunch of women there. I thought we scared you that night, Sarah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> did the jade eggs talk up the, yeah, did that, the, the sex talk? Yeah, there, was, there was some interesting conversations. <laughs> there were. I still, yeah, no jade eggs for me. But I was like, really? Okay. And then I was like, oh, Sarah, I just, I don't know her very well. And I've just invited her to this den. And, and it was an awesome den of women and laughter. And yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, but, but, but what I mean, you know, side note, um, but this, this evolution that you're, that you're undergoing, you know, it's just, it's changed your whole, you've had a spiritual awakening, right? Like you've had this, this kind of the practice of yoga and then yamas and the niyamas, right. Are very similar. I think, or I've heard are very similar to the, to the 12 steps and that, um, yeah. they're, they're kind of this, 
this inquiry work that you're doing and I don't know, just creating a new way to be with yourself. And I think that's really amazing. And so your studio, I'm interested in in your studio and kind of that you built the studio in your home. It looks really beautiful. Um, How did that, how did that happen? Well, so I actually didn't build it. I mean, it was already here. Um, Mm -hmm. So the way that my home was built, it's this, it's a very old house and the front part of it um, has been added onto a couple of times. And we had been using the space in the back of our house as just a guest room, really. Um, But it's a fairly big space uh, for a bedroom and it has high ceilings. And, you know, I thought, you know, we don't really have that many guests and we don't, we were just not utilizing the space very well. You know, I wonder if I could, if I could use this to teach yoga. Um, And so we, you know, cleared everything out of here and I did a little outreach to some people in my neighborhood and um, in the Austin community. And yeah. And so people have been coming. It's been great. Like I'm meeting a lot of neighbors and um, I feel like there's a lot of potential here. It's not a big space. So I, you know, I can't, host huge classes, but, um, I think that it's, it's something that can definitely grow into the future and, and I just love doing it. So it's exciting to be able to do it, you know, in my own, in my own space and kind of have that creative direction over it. And your business is called Sapana Studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called Sapana Studios and, um, Sapana is, is an, it's a Nepali word from the Nepalese language, and it means dream. And mm. um, yeah, and I had spent several years in my 30s working in Nepal and um, have always just loved that word. So, so beautiful. Is, yeah. Um, I have a question, a creative question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I looked at your website and it's beautiful. Did you design and build your website? I did. And, um, yeah, and it's kind of right now it's a bit of a hybrid. Um, so like I said, I, I do a lot of marketing consulting. I also consult for a lot of nonprofits and do, um, like strategic planning and board development and that type of thing. So it's a little bit of a hodgepodge of, of my consulting work and then my yoga work. But yeah, I did, I did it on my own. Well, I don't think it looks like hodgepodge. I think it looks very cohesive and kind of, especially since the name of it, Sapana Studios, it can be many things, right? So I like that umbrella and that Mm name. I'm also graphically, I know you're a graphic designer uh, as well. I'm drawn to your logo. So I'm curious, how did you, what was the process of coming up with the logo and the triangle, you know, there's a triangle formation in there. Um, is there a story behind that? Yeah, well, I decided pretty early on that I wanted the triangle to be in my logo. Um, it's my favorite shape. And obviously, you know, it it has a lot of application to spirituality, to yoga, um, kind of the, you know, the body, mind, spirit connection. Um, and I've also always been drawn to the triangle because it's it's the strongest shape, um, and so I, to me, it's really a symbol of of strength and of connection to ourselves and connection to God. And um, and so I, I can't take credit for the logo. My husband actually helped me um, with that piece a little bit. That's kind of more of his specialty. But but yeah, I I love triangles and um and I know you've actually been working some with triangles lately yeah lately I have I have a beautiful triangular shaped window in my studio um that was here I didn't build it or design it but that um 
this used to be the meditation studio for the um, couple that lived here in the house before we moved in. And I, um, I had no knowledge of meditation. I didn't practice meditation. I didn't understand his practice with meditation. And so when we moved here, it turned into a little play studio for my son. But I can see now, like I'm looking at it, I look at it now in a very different way in this space. And I use it to make art, but I can definitely see how if I took every single thing out of here and just put a pillow in front of this window, like this would be a beautiful place to meditate and just sit and be. I mean, it's beautiful. I guess I work and kind of do a meditation through drawing and things, but to really have the space, um, I think it's, yeah, really beautiful. And so the triangle, yeah, I've been looking it up and seeing what it means. I've been drawn to jewelry and um, our friend Sasha Corrales introduced me to the Sri Yantra. And I know that you, through the Recovery Gals Art Exchange, you and our former guest, Sasha Corrales, were exchange partners. Yes. And yes. you created, did you create a Sriantra for her design? Yeah, that was, oh my gosh, that was the craziest. Um, through that, through the connection, through the art exchange, I mean, Sasha and I had so many synchronicities come up that I, I mean, it was like mind-blowing. But yeah, so the theme for that connect, for that exchange was connection. And the studio, the yoga studio where I did my teacher training, um, Suga Yoga, they use the Sri Yantra as their logo. And I had just kind of, so I was just introduced to it through the course of teacher training. And it was right, that was right at the time when the exchange was going on. And I was kind of thinking like, what can I, you know, what can I make for her? And I was I knew that, she, you know, she made smalas and, and all, I knew a little bit about her. And the more that I learned about the symbolism of the Sri Yantra, um, the more I thought it was just kind of like the perfect shape, you know, to do some kind of like, could I do some kind of artwork around it? Um, and I played around with some different ideas and nothing really came together. So I, I ended up I ended up doing something different, but I ended up printing that on a card that I made for her. Um, and when I sent it to her, she just texted me back a photo of her forearm and she had the Sri Yantra tattooed on her forearm. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, she loves it. She she introduced me to it at a, a gem show and I got a ring that has it on there. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to maybe get this wrong, so maybe you can help me. So is are there nine, are there 18 triangles? Nine and nine for the masculine and the feminine? Is that that makes up the Sri Yantra? I believe so. Okay. Uh, just for our listeners, if they don't know what we're talking about, it was just, it's this, it's sacred geometry. I guess they could, they could Google well, that. Yeah. So there's, there's nine triangles. Um, there, there's nine triangles in the Sri Yantra. Okay. And then they're interlocking and they make Inter a design. Yeah. Okay. It's beautiful. And, uh, um, I don't know much about sacred geometry other than I, when I was kind of researching the, um, the Sri Yantra and it's, it's so, it's so mag magnificent and she does have it on her forearm and it is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And I took so many pictures of that um, design at Sukha yoga. When we were there, that picture, the wall that has a really big logo, right. has the Sri Yantra on the wall. Yes. Yep, they so have pretty. Yeah. And like the, the symbolism behind it is really, um, it is a, the symbolism is the, the connection, like our divine connection. It's a, it stands for non-duality. And so um, thinking about our connection to, to God and our connection to the universe. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful shape. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Sarah, now that I know the meaning of the word Sapana is dreams, what are your dreams for Sapana Studios? Yeah, well, do you have goals for your business? I do. Um, you know, again, like this all kind of happened very organically. Um, yeah, I feel like you're just following breadcrumbs almost. I, I feel like I am too. <laughs> um, and, um, but I, you know, my dream. What I what I'm really interested in doing is is growing it to a point where I'm doing more um, workshops and retreat type offerings in the future. Um, so just taking a deeper dive onto some of the philosophy uh, of, of yoga um, and and that, but also you know continuing to offer classes, um, but really focusing on women. I I don't know that I will have a recovery lens. I haven't been trained in yoga for recovery. I know a lot of women in our community who have pursued yoga, um, as part of their recovery path, you know, are, are thinking about doing that. And, um, I don't know if I'll go that direction or not, but I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for working with women. Um, and, and then I also, I spent some time in a previous role leading international retreats. And so I do have some experience with that and um, really am interested in, in exploring that in the future as well. Do you have anything specific coming up? I mean, besides our workshop that we're doing together and which we'll talk about in a little bit, but do you have anything else specifically coming up? Yeah. Well, so um, obviously the workshop is coming up on June 2nd and um and then if people are in Austin and they want to attend a yoga class, my schedule is up on my website. Um, but then I am in making plans right now with another yoga teacher here in Austin um, to, to do a retreat later this year. Um, and it will be, we're looking at a 10 day retreat um, in Nepal. Oh. So it'll be kind of like a, a meditation yoga retreat. And, um, I'm really excited about it. We, we're still finalizing the plan. So I don't, um, actually by the time this airs, I might have everything up on the website, but, um, yeah, we're looking, um, at some dates in early November, which is a great time to be in Nepal and, um, yeah. And so it's just going to be an amazing time. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. That's a big journey. I love it. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to ask you, let's say I'm asking for a friend. Um, if you have a hard, if, if my friend has a hard time meditating, <laughs> <laughs> is there a way to drop in or like maybe a beginner tool? I I've recently started using the, um, theta meditations that Sandra has recommended on the insight timer app. I've done a little Sarah Blondin. I am just, I'm having a hard time and I just, I know maybe everybody has a hard time in the beginning, but is there something uh, that you could recommend that for someone that's new? Maybe some of our listeners who haven't meditated before. Yeah. So, and, and I think that I was very much like you when I started meditating. Um, it was just really hard for me to sit still, you know, and really to quiet my mind. And what I found that has helped me immensely um, is, is to move in some way before I sit down. Um, I think, you know, I couldn't just just plop down and like drop into a deep meditation. So, you know, if you're able to, to take a walk around the block or somehow move energy through your body before, before you are ready to meditate, I think that can be really helpful. Um, Kundalini yoga is, 
is another type of yoga that I practice often, especially in connection with meditation. So usually before I meditate, I, I'll do a few minutes of some kundalini breath work or like a short routine um, just to kind of just to kind of move the energy around so that um, my body and my mind are a little bit more open to receive the experience because I think that um, oftentimes it's it's hard because we're sort of like we're fighting against ourselves. Um, you know, we have thoughts and energies that are swirling around our mind and then we expect to just like sit down and be serene. And it's like, you know, for me, I have to, I have to move those energies through me first and then I can, I can sit down and be quiet. Um, so that's really helped me. I think also when I was just starting to meditate more doing guided meditations, using the insight timer app, which, um, I don't know if you guys, do you guys have the insight timer app? Yeah. Tammy just, yeah. That's yeah. What we were just talking about. We yeah. both, yeah, that's a good, that's a good resource. I like Amazing. to install it. I, I like to install it and take it off my phone cause I get mad at it. So, um, <laughs> because I resist. So since I've been sober, I've, I don't know, the last year and a half, maybe. Um, so, well, not since I got sober, but for the last year and a half, I've been trying and just even seeing it on my phone. I'm like, F that I'm not doing that. So I would delete it. <laughs> so then I just added it again recently. And I was like, I need to add some friends. So I added Sandra and somebody, I'm like, I need some accountability here. I need, I need something. Um, yeah. So, yes, I did add it back on my – my friend added it back on her phone. Is Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they have so much content on there. I mean – Sure do. When I first started using it, um, I would use the guided meditations a lot because I just felt like I needed that, that voice to guide me through. Um, but now I mostly use it for the music. They have mm -hmm. music on there. They and, have great um, music, yeah. And I love – you know, I love their timer because you can – you can set different bells for different intervals. So like if you, if you were doing, um, you know, a set of breath work where you're doing different, you're moving from thing to thing and you want to time yourself, you can sort of like custom preset a timer, um, for a, like for a whole routine versus just using, you know, the timer on your iPhone. Yeah. I do like those, wow. those dinging the bowls or whatever they're hitting that, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a good, those are good for beginner. Um, I like those that. Those are really good. I loved what you said about getting your energy out. It's like, it's just like you did in elementary school, right? When you mm -hmm. go, when the teacher would release you out to the playground to get your yayas out before, <laughs> you know, before it was time to come back in and sit down and study. It's the same, it's the same concept. I love that. It's very tip. helpful. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Super helpful. Um, I love that. So Tammy was just talking about resistance. And when I was going back and reading your Ray of Light interview, you talked about resistance as well. We talk about that all the time, you know, mm -hmm. things that we're resisting at any moment, <laughs> things that we have resisted <laughs> that we're willing to look at. Mm -hmm. I was curious what you are currently resisting or what you have been willing to look at since you got sober. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think I've been willing to look at a lot of things since I've gotten sober, you know, um, and we, you know, I've heard you guys talk about it before, you know, you don't really have to be engaged in yoga or any kind of meditative practice to get the benefits of like, w when you stop drinking, you just become more aware of everything around you. Um, and 
And so I think I've been looking a lot at just how I have conducted myself like throughout my life um, energetically and how I am doing that now. Um, and from a resistance standpoint, though, I think one thing that I, I still kind of come up against is is taking on too much. And mm-hmm. um, and I actually I saw some of our mutual friends this weekend in Austin um, mm-hmm. and we were all talking a little bit about this subject. And I think for me, you know, when I was drinking and particularly during some of the, you know, the harder times, like one thing that was always driving me was this sort of sense of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and usually that, you know, was, was coming from a variety of places, but historically I've just been the type of person that I kind of like to have a lot on my plate. Um, I think that I, you know, have struggled with, with saying no to things, with really kind of getting my discernment right over what I'm saying yes to. Um, and, and so I have ended up feeling overwhelmed <laughs> from time right. to time. And, and so I still struggle with that on a daily basis. I mean, I, um, I definitely do. It's, it's, and I think all of us do, especially oh, yeah. if we have kids or we have a creative endeavor, we're trying to, to build something and, you know, maybe we have other work that we're doing on the side. It's just, we take on a lot and, um, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. And so I think for me, it's really just kind of looking at where I, I'm resistant to let go. And one thing that came up at, with our friends this weekend um, was that I, I had heard something recently from Guru Jagat, mm-hmm. who I think you guys are aware of. Yeah. Um, Total she, girl crush. Yeah, she, totally. Um, she's yeah. amazing. But I heard her say something on one of her recordings where she said, you know, overwhelm is a form of self-importance. And that really kind of hit me because I feel like overwhelm um, was certainly a theme throughout, you know, my thirties and throughout both of, you know, the times when I was struggling. Um, and it's, it kind of still is, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think it's like a badge of honor, right? Look how busy and important I am. I have many important things to do. (laughs) Right. It's like that. I mean, I don't know that I, yeah, it is like that. And it's not so much like, I think I'm important because I have these things to do, but it's more like, I think if I let any of these things go, like the, something terrible is going to happen. Right. Right. Um, And so I, I think that is what I'm working on right now. The most is just kind of focusing on acceptance around what I really can reasonably take on (laughs) what I can, you know, what I can really say yes to. And, you know, just accepting that sometimes we have to let things go, even if we don't want to, because, we need to create space for something else. And um, I, so I'm, I can be very resistant in that respect. Same. Mm -hmm. Ditto. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone say recently, um, I might've shared this on another podcast, but I thought it was so cute. He was like, I'd like to introduce myself as the, um, my prior job was um, as uh, director of the universe. And I, that is my former title. And I was like, yeah, I get it. We all get it. (laughs) Because to to be busy, to, to have control, to, to get shit done, that's all good. But, um, you know, we do do that. And I, I have definitely have surges and waves and then, you know, peaks and valleys with all of that. But, um, I don't know. I always say this. I don't know one woman that isn't busy. 
you know, and, and not that men aren't, but I mean, just I think about my role and my place and motherhood and being a daughter and a sister and a wife and like, um, we're all doing our thing. And, um, yeah, to yeah. overdo it. I, when I was drinking, I used to do it to be a martyr. I don't feel like I do it to be a martyr now. I think that's the difference. I do it because I genuinely want to do it and it makes, brings me joy. I'm trying to let go but, of the things that don't. Right. And I think your point, though, too, Sarah, about think, you know, the world will not fall apart. People will not be, you know, gnashing their teeth and weeping by the streets if you let something go. You know, it's, it just. No, it's just a lesson for ourselves. Like, that's what you're learning about yourself, right, Sarah, by even talking about this or looking at that. You're just learning more about how you operate. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, have you guys ever, um, have you ever taken a strengths binder test? No, no. Test? Um, does, it, do you, does it need a binder, Sarah? Because I have a lot of binders. I'd love to take a test and put it in there. Sure, you could get a binder. <laughs> what, what's it called? A strength test? <laughs> it's called Strengths Binder. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's just a personality test um, that it's kind of similar to Myers-Briggs, but I think it's more, it's used more like in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time I took it, it was in relation to a job that I had where everyone on the team had to take it. And it's really just kind of like helps companies or organizations, you know, find out what strengths their employees have and, you know, how, you know, how balanced the team is and whatnot. But it's, it's a very interesting test. Um, there are 80 strengths. And when you take the test, you, it reveals to you your top five strengths out of the 80. Hmm. Um, and I've taken it probably three or four times. And every single time I've taken it, it's, I've gotten the same results. And um, my top strength is always, uh, it's called ideation, which is, it just means that you have a lot of ideas. You're really, you know, you're good at brainstorming, creativity. Um, and so I think that because I am easily excited by ideas and I love to, you know, to think about all the possibilities, um, within any one thing, it's like, it's like I get into this zone where I'm like, Oh, and then I could do this and then I'm doing this and then I'm doing, you know, and it sort of like piles on and then you have to, you know, step back and kind of have that discernment of, of what is actually, you know, what's really important to me here. And, um, yeah, kind of, make it less personal. You need an ideation journal. I need an ideation <laughs> journal. I know. Dump them all there because they're all probably, yeah, something you could come back to, but yeah, you can't do them all at once. Well, Sandra and I talk about this. Sandra has a ton of ideas. Uh, I am an, I, I was just thinking I need to take this test or not really, because I'm sure that I would score high, score high as well. I'm going to take it. Now, ideation department because Uh, I am full of ideas all the time um but you're right it's what what can be executed yeah what's what can help in a healthy way (laughs) what can you yeah what can we get what can you execute yeah or have the space for uh we have so much more to still talk about so I do you guys mind if we transition a little bit to your workshop no. Is that let's good? Do it. Let me interview yeah. the two of you. Okay. So you guys have an, uh, a workshop coming up on June 2nd in Austin at the Tiny Tea Ranch. Mm-hmm. How did this incarnation of this workshop come to be? I feel like I was invited in later, so I'm going to let you. Take <laughs> Sarah? Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, so I'm still, I'm like blown away that we're actually doing it because it was just, it's like another one of those things that just, you know, it just sort of happened organically. But I, so Sasha, so the workshop will be led by myself and Sandra and and Sasha Karelis um, from Sacha Malas. And it really kind of originated because Sasha had posted something um, somewhere about a workshop that she was doing in San Francisco And I think I commented on it like, you know, we need one of these in Austin, just trying to to nudge her to come out here and and do a workshop. And so um, she was like, well, let's talk. And so the two of us started talking and we thought, you know, this could be really fun um, to get Sandra involved and make it sort of like a creativity yoga art workshop. Um, So that's what we're doing. And I'm so excited about it. What will be the format of it? So there are listeners, if they want to buy a plane ticket and get on out there and meet me and Natalie and you guys and who else is coming? Who else do we know is coming? (laughs) Like, come on out. We have room for how many is there room for? Oh, gosh. Uh, 70 easily. So it's a big space. Yeah, it's a big space. It's out in the country. It's on my friend Spike's um, ranch. And it's only about 20 miles outside of Austin. It's very, very close to the airport, though. The airport's sort of in between where the ranch is located and Austin proper. Um, but we, we are working on flow right now. But we're going to – I think we're going to start with a little um, probably meditation or meet each other and then a meditation and yoga. And we're going to – break for lunch at some point um we're gonna have a little creativity exploration um sort of exercise that I'm gonna lead that involves uh photography a little photography and um and then we're going to uh make some malas sounds so awesome so lovely I am so excited about the space because, you know, originally we were just looking at different yoga studios here in town. Um, But I think it's going to be amazing to just be out in nature and to, you know, just have like a really restorative. Yeah, it's going to feel like a real mini retreat, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What is and, the And, you know, we thought big. <laughs> so a lot of people can come. Please Excellent. Come. So what is what is the time? Let's say, let's say the date, time, and the price of the um, retreat, of the workshop. So it's... Yeah, go it's, ahead, Sarah. Um, so it's called the Women's Circle Workshop, and it's going to be on Saturday, June 2nd from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., and we're going to be at the Tiny Tea Ranch in Garfield, Texas, and it's $80 a person. And I'm sorry, you said 9 to 2? Nine yes, to two. 9, nine to, two. to 2. Great. Oh, so like a five-hour workshop. That's a steal. All of that? Yeah, and you yeah, leave with a mala bracelet? You're going to leave with a yeah. And an art project? You're leave with new friends and connections mm. and, yeah, and a, and a, and a little um, art project. I love so, it. Little photog- little photos, mementos, um, and then yeah, and then it will be two. And then what are we gonna do? I don't know. Hmm. Topo chicos, tacos. <laughs> I need queso. I need a lot yeah. of queso. Yeah. Not 
do that. Yeah, not cheese dip. I'm not saying that again because I, I know no. that's not what you say. <laughs> I don't want to get kicked out of Texas. No. Um, oh, good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it, you guys. Me and Nally were so excited. So um, I still oh, need to oh, go over on your website. You know what? I forgot to mention one thing. Hmm. Um, there is going to be some some vending. So I'm going to have oh. some kimonos. Um, nice. So just bring in some malas. Excellent. Uh, I think that Sarah has something really cool, right? Tell me again. Tell yeah. us all again. I'm going to be bringing some yoga bags and tote bags from that are made by a women's collective that I work with in Nepal. Uh, they're really they're really cute bags. They're hand woven and they're super colorful. So I'll have those there as well. Oh, you guys, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? So I need to go sign up on the, where do I sign up to, where so do our listeners sign up? To mm-hmm. You can either click on the marketplace and it'll be the first thing you see pop up. Or you can just uh, click on the top bar and it'll take you right to the event where you can purchase your ticket. Excellent. Oh, yes. good. That will be really fun. We've been talking about Sasha a lot during the show. I was just going to say she was a former guest. She was episode 34, if anybody's listening and wants to listen to her episode, which is awesome. Um, and Guru Jagat, um, I was reading her book this weekend um, and had uh, and watching some videos with her. I was with a girl's weekend. And I'm, I've gotten all the girls smitten with her as well. So, yes, Sandra, she's very girl crush worthy. She is, very, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh very goodness. much so. Very yeah. much so. Have you read her book too, Sandra? Yeah, I have her book. Yeah, okay. love so I it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so do we want to uh, ask Sarah her three items for her toolbox? Like, do you feel like yes. that's good? Do you have anything else just to ask before we go there? No, I no. want to hear about Sarah's three items from her unruffled toolbox. Okay. Um. Well, I guess the first one is we've kind of talked a lot about, but, you know, obviously yoga and meditation has been a really big part of my path. Um, And so those are definitely the first thing in my toolbox. And um, like I said, you know, I, I have found it really helpful for me to, to think about this through the lens of, of my energy and of energetics. And so, um, yoga and meditation are just really, you know, these are the practices that help to keep me centered and help to keep me, um, you know, feeling open and, and less overwhelmed. Um, and so I I don't think that I could really go too many days without practicing some form of yoga or meditation, um, before I would start to, you know, feel a little off. And so it's really, like that's just kind of helped me maintain a more even keel, um, and, and feel good and just feel good. So yoga and meditation. And then my second thing would be reading. So another one of my top strengths is, is intellection, which just means that I, I love to learn. And, um, I think that for me really learning as much as I can, um, about, you know, not just some of the spiritual aspects of recovery, but, but really like the neuroscience, um, behind 
this issue has been really, uh, really helpful to me. So, you know, if I, I can usually always find inspiration, um, from a book and, and, you know, reading and education has been a huge part of my path as well. Um, and then I guess the third thing that I have listed is, is music. And that is something that has really surprised me. I have not been a musical person growing up. I never really played an instrument. I'm not a very good singer. Um, but I, I recently started playing, well, during my yoga teacher training, I started to learn to how to play the harmonium. Um, and what is the harmonium? Uh, the harmonium, it is, it's an instrument. It's like, um, Oh, I'm going to have to Google it. Yeah, I'm trying to just, I'm looking at mine right now. So it's like a little box with the keyboard on the front of it. And then it has bellows on the back. So it's like an accordion. Okay. And you can, you know, you, so you pump air through it as you play the keyboard and it makes, it's, it's very, uh, it's used in a lot of like Indian music and a lot of yoga music. And, um, if you've ever heard, uh, of like Krishna Das or any, um, sort of kirtan, yoga singers, then you've probably heard the harmonium. Um, but it's, it's a really easy instrument to play. And, um, and I have just, I've just, I just love it. Like I love to play it. I love to sing. Um, and it's really been surprising to me because that's just not been something that I've ever really (laughs) done before in the past, but it's very cathartic. Um, and so that has been, been definitely a tool for me too. And there's a picture of it on your website of your harmonium, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone to a couple classes where um, Stephanie Snyder plays the harmonium and Bex Urban, who Sasha does retreats with, plays the harmonium. And it's really beautiful. Really beautiful. So you'll yeah. be bringing, will that be at your at your workshop? Will you incorporate that? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I'll, I'll be singing together. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, Sarah. It was so fun to talk to you, even though I get to talk to you in person often. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I get to, I get to see you in um, a month, less than a month by the time this airs. Yeah. We're coming in May 30th, I think. Yeah. We're coming in on that Wednesday. So we'll have to get in touch for some queso dates and uh, get togethers, tacos. Yeah. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Mm, sure. I ate my way through Texas last time I was there. Thank you. Um, wow. Thank you, Sandra, for pointing. Remember, oh, my God, that cafe we went to on the last day with the pie. Like, all oh, the pie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was with Natalie, not the last time I was there, when I was with Natalie, you took us to a cat little cafe that you go to have lunch at. We had, like, the most beautiful desserts and lunch. And, yeah, the food is good in Texas. Mm-hmm. It, it is. is. Have you ever um, <laughs> still ever seen the t-shirt from El Arroyo Cafe, the body by queso? Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking that might be a good souvenir. Oh, yeah. Last time I got the dang tape, dang tank, tank top. I can't even say that. <laughs> dang. And next time I'll have to be body by queso. That's, that's going to be my new yoga top. <laughs> That'd be really good. Really good. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. We'll see you soon. Oh, wait, let's say Sarah's website real quick. Sarah, website and where people can find you. Yeah, so people, okay, so people can find me online. My website is saponastudios.com. 
Um, and if you go to the yoga page there, uh, there's information about the workshop. That's where I'll put information about the Nepal retreat. Um, and, and then there's information about my studio classes here in Austin. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram at ATX Sarah. Perfect. Oh, all right. Thanks. Have a lovely, lovely day. Too. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.